Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our morning meeting. I'll send you an apology first. Sorry if I got the wet look today, but it's called oversleeping, so please bear with me. I think my body's somewhere along Greenfields at the moment. It will probably catch up with me somewhere along the morning. So if this is your first time with us, you are so, so welcome. I've just been a few times. Again, you are so welcome. We're glad you've decided to worship with us this morning and hope and pray that you have an amazing time. So last Sunday, wasn't it amazing? Our celebration Sunday, praising God and thanking him for his faithfulness and his provision as we celebrated the fact that we had cleared the mortgage. But it's not just one celebration Sunday. It's not just one celebration day. God is faithful every day. And we can thank him and celebrate him every day. So wherever you're at, whether you're in a really good place and praising God and going on with God, that's amazing. Or if you're struggling this morning, God's still the same. He's still amazing and we can still thank and celebrate him together. And today, if you are struggling, is the second week of Advent, which is the week of peace. It says in Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The, prince, the word for peace in Hebrew is actually shalom, which means completeness or well-being. And we come to a God that wants to give us that completeness and well-being. So as we come to praise and worship him this morning, let's ask God to give us that peace. The peace that we receive, we can then give to those, those around us in our community who may not have that peace, that may not have that joy, that may not have that hope. So let's be asking God what he's wanting today. So leading on to that, if you feel prompted by God that you've got a word or a prayer or a Bible scripture to read, Please, can you come and have a conversation with Andrew, who's our responsible elder this morning, or myself, and we'll try and find a, a suitable time in which to uh, include it into our meeting. And it also helps if you use a microphone, because then we can all hear you. Then a little bit later, um, we have a testimony, and that is from Pam, about a testimony of healing. So we love these stories, we love these testimonies. If you have one, and you've never been brave enough to bring it, Write it down on a This Is Your Story card or come and have a conversation with Andrew and me. And then Rob will be preaching. Children, not many of you here this morning. Katie will say when you can go down to them and parents, please take your kids down to, uh, to uh, sign them in because that would be really helpful. And now I'm going to hand over to Katie who's going to lead us in our time of sun worship. Thank, Thank you. you, Karen. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see you this morning. If you are able and willing, I'd love to invite you to stand with us, please. And children, I feel very lonely in this song when I, I have to hey, all by myself. So I would love some support. That's children or those that are feeling young at heart. You don't children have to be a child age, to join in with the haze. <laughs> He's our rescuer. Hey. He's our rescuer. Hey, we are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound! Hey, oh, how great the sound! Hey, we will praise the 
today And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in this place And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise
children and young people, it's time for you to go downstairs to your groups. If this is your first time with us, you can exit by the door in the corner over there and somebody will show you where to go. We're going to continue in this place of worship. We're going to sing, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.
promised that one day you will return in all your glory, in all your majesty, and every knee will bow. Amen. Hindus, Muslims, agnostics, atheists will all bow before you because of all your majesty and your glory. And we just want to give you the praise this morning, Lord Jesus, for what you did for each one of us on that cross. So unworthy, but you did it because of your love for us. And we do give you the praise and the glory this morning. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the hope, the assurance we have in you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for the beautiful children of God here this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the presence of Holy Ghost is here. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the worship, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for all our praises. Amazing Father, we worship you. We adore you. We give praises to your holy name because your promises are yes and amen. And we will never be moved because we are on the rock, Jesus Christ. Thank you, our hope, our life, our testimony, our future. We thank you. You are awesome, God. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
We're going to welcome Pam up onto the stage now. She's going to share a great testimony with us. Thank you, Pam. Well, I certainly couldn't do that a few months ago. 
This is my testimony of the healing of my knee, but it's also been a journey of my faith as well. About this time last year, I had a mad idea and thought I'd do couch to 5K. And I never run, so I don't know why I decided to do it. Anyway, it's all going well. Third run in, and I pulled my knee. Well, I thought it was a pulled muscle. So I hobbled home, lots of stretches, lots of stretches. Yeah, I think this is okay, yeah. Got worse. Got to the end where I was on crutches, and I ended up at uh, the doctors who passed me through to the physio. I had a steroid injection, didn't do anything. I had six months of physio, and got to a point where sometimes I was on my crutches if it was particularly bad, other times where I would be hobbling. You probably saw me hobbling in and out or on my crutches if it had been particularly bad. And so six months of this, and I was waiting for the Lord to heal me. I kept praying. I, so many lovely, lovely people have prayed for me. And I was persistent because I knew that I could be healed. I've been healed before of other things, so I knew the Lord could heal me. So I kept saying, oh, you know, why, why, haven't, I, why haven't I got my healing yet, Lord? I've got the faith for it. And, um, and then someone said to me, the word I've got for you is patience. So I thought, oh, all right, Lord, give me patience, but make it quick, because <laughs> I, I'd had enough of this knee by now. So I was hobbling on, and then I thought, I'm going to have to go further. And I spoke to lovely Charlie. I was, she was my sort of um, consultant. <laughs> and, uh, and then um, she said, I, I think you'll have to go to see um, an orthopedic surgeon. So uh, I then said, OK, to the physio team, refer me. How long will it be? And they said, oh, months. And I thought, oh, I've already lost six months of my life. I, we are, you know, we were, we're walkers, you know, it was just really curtailing us. And I thought, oh, so anyway, I bit the bullet and went to see um, a consultant privately. Anyway, he gave me another injection of hyaluronic acid. That didn't work, made it worse. And so um, by this time, I was, I wish I could say that I was always up there, I was declaring, I was always up there, but there were times that I really went down and thought, oh, you know, and I reminded the Lord that hope deferred makes a heart grow sick. So I hoped he was listening, but, and, and then I just sort of went from ups and downs, ups and downs, but mostly it was, it was ups, but it's just natural to come down. And, um, and then I was reading um, one of the Psalms, and it was, I think it was Psalm 53, I'm, I flourish like an olive tree in the house of the Lord, and it said, I will trust in your name, for your name is good. And that sort of jumped out at me, you know, sometimes when you can read scripture and it jumps out, so I was declaring that as well. And I was saying all the time through this, Lord, give me a teachable heart. I don't want to go through this pain and not learn anything. And so um, got to the point where I had a um, date for an arthroscopy. I had had an MRI scan, and it showed I had a complex tear in this knee. And um, so booked in for surgery. 
So still thinking, Lord, you know, I, I know you can heal me, I know you can heal me, but can you do it before I have to pay for the treatment because I might not get it back. So, <laughs> so I was sitting, this was about six weeks ago, I was sitting at the back and um, I was feeling quite down that day. I was almost at tear point, it was, it was horrible. Um, and lovely Pat Bachelor, who sits near me, she could see that and... Um, and she had a word from the Lord for me. So she said to me, why don't you do what it says in the book and go up and be anointed by the elders? So I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. So I hobbled up the front to Andrew and I told him what had happened. And he said, yep, yeah, we'll go and get the oil. So he anointed me. And I felt better in myself, but my knee... I just hobbled off again. Anyway, the next day, I woke up, and um, I thought, my knee feels a bit better. I'm thinking it must be my, my imagination. You know? So anyway, slowly, slowly, thinking, oh, it's getting better. I'm sure it's getting better. And then I got up one morning, and there was absolutely no pain whatsoever. And so I was very cautious, we started doing more walks. We did a half an hour, hour, hour and a half, two hours, no pain. So I thought I'm going to cancel the, um, the, uh, the surgery. So um, I went to see the surgeon because I tried to cancel it, but his, his secretary said, no, no, come in and see him. So I went in and saw him. This was, um, week, was it the week before last, I think? examined it, did everything, and he said, there's nothing I can do for you. And I'd been booked in for a millisectomy. And I, I said to him, this is the power of prayer. And he said, you might well be right. So, <laughs> so praise the Lord. You know, my, I've got full function of my knee back, and it's taken nearly a year the Lord has taught me patience and, and taught me to keep persevering. So if I've learned anything from this, it's keep persevering. If you don't see your healing, keep going, keep going. It will come, okay? Isn't that fantastic? We have a wonderful, wonderful God. Um, for those who don't know me, my name's Sean. I'm part of the leadership team here. I just wanted to share something I felt um, God said to me uh, this morning. Um, and it was, for those of you who have got a little bit of an awareness of what of Israel, you know, um, it's a, a place that needs rain. You know, it's often dry. And so when you read in the Old Testament talking about rain as a blessing and everything, it was seen as a blessing. Maybe when you look outside, you think this isn't a much of a blessing this morning. But actually, for, for them, if it doesn't rain, then there's famine and the economy collapses. And you know, So when, when it talks about rain in the Old Testament, you know, they're often talking about um, God's blessing. And so I just want to read a passage of scripture here. This is Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. It says this, Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. 
As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. And it, the Bible often talks about God pouring out a blessing, his Holy Spirit or you know, the miraculous. And uh, I, I just, you know, I mean, that's fantastic listening to Pam there. Oh, God does still heal today. But we want to see more. We want to hear more testimonies, don't we? Yeah? We do want, yeah. And I just feel, you know, God wants to remind us that he is still pouring out his rain. He's still pouring out his spirit. He still wants to bless us and heal us and pick us up and supply all our needs. And I just felt there was a real challenge there this morning that actually we need to cry out to God for this. You know, he's willing. Are we willing to receive? Are we up for receiving? It could disturb our our lives. You know, it could have an impact on our lives, God turning up. But I think that's a good thing. And so I think there's just a challenge there before we go into communion. Uh, I'd, I'd like to ask everyone to stand, and I just want to, you know, you can pray out in your own way, but you know, it's, it could be just praying, Lord, send more of your spirit, send more of your rain, send more of your blessing, send more of your healing. But let's just do that for a moment, and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up in prayer. So let's just do that all together. Just speak out to God. Lord, you are such a fantastic, wonderful God. You demonstrated it on the cross, Lord Jesus. You died in our place. You paid the penalty for our sin. But Lord, we, we're not to stay in our chains. We're to step out of those broken chains. We're to be released from sickness, from, from the sin that so easily entangles. We're to, to be Jesus to this community. And we need your spirit, Lord. I just pray, would you pour out your spirit upon each one of us? May we know your healing power in our midst. May we know more of the testimony of what Pam brought. Of our, our God heals today. Lord God, pour out your spirit upon your people, I pray. May we just receive you this morning and know you in our midst, Lord, transforming our lives. We need you, Lord. We need that blessing from you. Help us to receive it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. And thank you, Pam. That was an incredible story about God's faithfulness. So as Sean said, we're now coming to our time of communion. And that's a time when we can reflect be thankful, ask for forgiveness, and even ask God for more of his presence. So let's just take a couple of moments just to reflect on what he's done for each one of us. That he can, we can proclaim his not only birth, but also his death and resurrection that enables us to even partake 
in this special celebrationary meal. Let's examine ourselves. Where are we with God? Let's be real with ourselves. Let's be open and honest. God wants to hear that. God knows where you're at. But he just wants each and every one of us to say, Lord, help me, direct me, whatever it may be. And also, some of you are seeking for healing. That could be physical. That could be mental. That could be emotional. We have another opportunity today. We've got Delta, our older youth group downstairs, and they're talking about prayer for healing. If you'd like prayer for healing, we have two flip charts over to my left. Write on there what you would like to be prayed for. We'll take that board downstairs and then we can be praying for you. But also, as you take communion, ask others to pray for you. Let's all be here for one another, to support one another, to take ourselves deeper into you. Let's remember it's a time of being intentional. It's not a time to rush but just to focus on who our living Father is and what he's done for us. So I just pray, Father God, that as we take this bread and this wine that is just an image of your broken body for us, may we be focused on you. May we know that release from you. May we know that healing from you. May we know an outpouring of your presence. May we know that inner peace, that inner joy, that inner hope that only you can give. So, Father God, as we come to your table to celebrate, help us come with joy wherever we're at. God is still the same, whether we're in the good place or in a place of struggling. He is still there. He is still faithful. He's still holy, and he's still the righteous one. We thank you, Father, that you give us this opportunity to share in the communion, in the breaking of your body. And so I'd like to invite you, when you feel ready, we have four stations around the, around the room. Go and take communion. Now, there's gluten-free on each of the tables for those that need that. But be aware of other people around you. Do people need prayer? As Pam said, Pat, Pat just suddenly noticed that she was struggling and, and, and had a word for her. Ask God, what do, you want, what do you want to say to me and what do you want to say to other people? Just be aware of those around us. So if I'd like to invite you now, when you're ready, go and take communion together. If you're not able to make it to one of the tables and you'd like to share in communion with us, just ask somebody who's sitting near you and they'd be only too happy to come and give it to you and share it with you.
Father God, we just want to thank you for your body and your sacrifice for us, that we could just truly enter into your presence because of you. We pray that at this time, as we uh, approach Christmas, you would focus our, our minds and our thoughts on you, the, uh, the giver of life. And so, Lord, as we continue with our meeting, as Rob's coming up to speak to us now, we pray that you continue to speak to each one of us. Just to say that if you're still being prayed for or praying, don't worry about rushing on. That's fine. You can come and join us again when it's convenient to you. So for now, I'm going to hand you over to Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Right, good morning everybody. Today we are going to be looking at Jesus and shame. Um, just a few questions perhaps before we really get into the meatiness. You might consider what is shame? What does Jesus do with shame? How does Jesus react with shame? What does God's word tell us about shame? And really, I suppose the way to start is just to we just open, just speak to God in prayer first of all. But then to start by considering guilt as well as shame, because there is a difference between guilt and shame that we want to consider and understand this morning. So let's just pray. Father God, we thank you, thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you for the way in which you deal with us, Lord. Lord, just open our eyes now and our hearts, Lord, that we can understand more about how you feel about guilt and shame, Lord, so we can see it through your eyes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, I expect if you are around my age and above, may, you may well remember being shamed at school. It wasn't unusual for some students to have to wear a dunce's hat if they were misbehaving or even doing badly in their lessons. Or to being told to stand up in assembly. How many people were told to stand up in assembly if they'd done something wrong? All right? It was, was a common thing in schools. It was felt to sort of to shame you was the way to deal with it. Or even having to stand outside the head teacher's office whilst everyone else was walking by pointing at you and laughing at you because they knew that person was about to be caned. How horrible was that? How demoralizing? But if you look online today, at various sites or in newspapers today, you will find much of the media still seem to enjoy discovering people who are guilty of something and declaring that in public. People who should feel ashamed of their actions, perhaps, and then they continue to display those people's activities in public. The media delight in bringing it into the public domain. And of course, they make lots of money out of it as well, don't they? 
But it's sad to say that even in churches, people can sometimes be made to feel guilty and be shamed by others, even when they may be innocent. And people who call themselves Christians may even sometimes shame others to make themselves feel better. It's really sad, isn't it, that we behave like that, and the Lord must be really distressed when he sees us behaving in that way. So, what is guilt? Let's think about guilt first of all. We often talk about guilt and shame in the, because they have similar emotions that it really brings up in us, but there are some key differences. Guilt is really the acknowledgement that we have done something or there's something inside of us. When we do something is wrong, we feel guilty. That behaviour does not define us as a person. And someone who is experiencing guilt is often still able to recognise their positive qualities and still see themselves in a good light, even though they feel guilty about something. It doesn't control them in the same way. But guilt is often followed by a feeling of shame. And shame is that painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by us knowing that we've done something wrong or we've been foolish in the way we've behaved. And that feeling of shame can often result in a paralyzing conviction or even a belief that we are worthless. We are of no value to other people. Even we are of no value to God. That sort of shame can make us feel unacceptable deserving of disdain and rejection. It can rob us of our self-image, destroy relationships. It can even make us feel we have to hide from ourselves, hide from others, even hide from our Lord and Saviour. And when I was thinking about this, I thought about my own experience and I thought about an incident that happened when I was about 12, 11, 12 years old. That is still with me, but I know that this has been dealt with. And that's probably why I can talk about it. it when, I, when I was growing up that age, we were allowed to go in the lounge. But we weren't allowed to play in the lounge. The lounge was mainly for sitting, watching TV, if we were allowed the TV on. But not to be really playing. And one day my brother and I decided to play a bit of football in the lounge. And it wasn't a big ball or anything like that, but it was a piece of paper that we'd scrunched up to make a ball, and we were kicking it to each other. And there was a cut glass decanter sitting on the bookshelf there. And we were playing, and I had my slippers on. And as we played, and I kicked this paper, my slipper flew off and hit this decanter against the wall, so it smashed and fell in pieces. And I felt guilty about that because it's what my mum called a pear drop decanter. Unusual, because usually decanters are round, and this one was flattened. So it had the shape of a decanter, but it wasn't round, spherical, it was flattened. 
And it was pretty unique, actually. I've never seen one before. So I felt really guilty. Now, I was brought up that if we did something wrong, we had to own up. And I, <laughs> I can remember now having to speak to my mum about this. <laughs> it hit me hard. I couldn't stop thinking about it for a long time. And about three years later, I had a part-time job in a butcher's. And I saved up some money. And I managed to find, not the same shape of decanter, unfortunately, but a lovely decanter, what's called a ship's decanter, with a, a base, and gave it to my mum. And she was pleased, but it didn't replace what had been broken. But it did make me feel a bit better. But that shame lasted for years until I was prepared to let God deal with it. And that is a problem we have, isn't it? That even though we know sometimes that we feel ashamed about something, we don't always take it to God. So let's just think about what does God say about shame? Jesus took our shame on the cross. We know, don't we, that he was without sin, he is without sin. He is totally innocent. And yet he took our shame so we could be set free from guilt and shame. Mark 15, verses 27 to 32, help us to understand more about what Jesus did on the cross for us and how we have been set free from guilt and shame. Verse 27 says, They crucified two rebels with him, with Jesus, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, So, you, are going to destroy, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't even save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So friends, we need to live in this truth. Mark shows us that Jesus bore our shame for us. He took our shame and exchanged it for his honour. Jesus, who knew no shame, became shamed on the cross for all of us. David Williams, who's a GP in Australia now, actually, who's also trained for the pastoral ministry in the Church of England, explains clearly how the cross, which deals with our guilt, also deals with our shame. This is what he says. It's possible to miss the emphasis on shame when we consider the crucifixion of Jesus. Consider the event itself. Jesus was spat on. His head and face were struck. His clothes was stripped off. He was verbally mocked and insulted. 
None of these actions was in itself physically painful. Being spat on doesn't hurt. It shames. And he goes on to remind us that Jesus associated with contagiously shameful people. Interesting expression, isn't it? Contagiously shameful people. The way that Jesus spoke to a bleeding woman, to tax collectors, to prostitutes, to Gentiles. How did Jesus respond to these people who were a threat to the social standing of nice people? Rather than those bringing, rather than those people bringing him to shame, Jesus brought them honour. The bleeding woman, the well, is healed and Jesus calls her his daughter. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, is presented back to the community as a son of Abraham. He was restored. His shame was dealt with. The prodigal son in the story is ashamed, isn't he, and comes back to his family and he's welcomed back into the family by his father even though he had wasted all of his inheritance. So Jesus takes their shame in those situations and he exchanges it for his honour. He takes the shame, he gives them his honour and he can do that for each of us. Yet in the case of Jesus, the contagion seemed to go the other way. Rather than them bringing him shame, he brought them honour. In the crucifixion, however, Jesus removed so many from shame to honour, was himself, have we seen, humiliated, embarrassed, degraded and shamed. So we need not just know in our minds, but in our hearts, that Jesus bore our shame for us. He took our shame. He exchanged it, exchanged it for his honour. He who knew no shame became shamed for us so in him we might become the honoured ones of God. What an exchange. So we don't have to live in shame. Jesus has taken away all of our guilt and shame even before it happened. And it was his pleasure to do so. He wasn't forced into that. He accepted to do that on our behalf. So the author of Hebrews encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus. He says in Hebrews 12 that Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Interesting sense that, isn't it? Jesus was able to endure the cross because of the joy set before him. He trusted his father. He trusted him that he could be prepared to endure all that pain and the shame of the cross. And yet he was able to endure that shame in the light of the joy that was ahead of him. Jesus didn't enjoy the shame, but the glory and honour of the other side of shame meant he could actually bring victory, not just for him, but through him for our sakes. 
And if you like, you would say that Jesus is our pioneer. Knowing that he went through shame in order to have the joy that was before him, that helps us too to realize that we too can go through shame and know the joy that Jesus brings into our hearts in all circumstances. There is no shame that Jesus has not dealt with. And I love what Peter says. Peter in 1 Peter 4 says, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. We can turn our shame into a way in which we can glorify God. So God can deal with our shame like no one else can. But no one who is a child of God needs to live with guilt or shame. Sometimes we feel that, don't we? Oh, it's just what I have to put up with. I'm ashamed. It's never going to change. That's wrong. That's a lie of the enemy. And even when someone else is responsible for bringing you shame, the scriptures urge us not to be ashamed, but to glorify God instead. Suffering as a Christian is, in fact, an honor, a glory to us because we bear the name of Jesus. And that means we're on the same journey as him, awaiting the crown of glory, trusting that God's mighty hand will lift us up in due time. That's encouraging, hopefully, for us today, that we don't need to live with shame. We don't need to let it continue to eat away at us, continue to destroy us. And while I was preparing this, God gave me a picture. A picture of people who are chained to a concrete block, one at a time. Each person had a chain and they had this rectangular block of concrete so they could walk so far and then it was always holding them back. They couldn't be set free. They couldn't shift it. They couldn't pick it up. It was too heavy. They couldn't get rid of it by themselves. They felt helpless. God says, shame is holding some of us back. It's obvious, we know it. We know it's there. It's not something we need to search for. God says you will know what it is. He wants us to ask him to set us free so that we can spread his word, so that we can be free to serve him. And God showed me that he will smash the rock that holds you back. He will set you free from guilt and shame. And interestingly, he said, he would leave the empty chain. So you remember how you were held back, how he freed you from your guilt and shame. You will be free, but you'll have that empty chain to remember. Free to speak God's word. Free to live a life of power and glory in his name. And he said, don't look back. Use your freedom to look forwards and use the freedom he's given you to share his word so you will see people coming into his kingdom. 
That really encouraged me. He will turn our lives around. If there is shame holding us back, he can turn our lives around. Are you ready? Are you prepared for a new journey, an amazing journey, more exciting than anything you have ever experienced previously? Psalm 7, sorry, Psalm 34, verses 4 to 6, say this, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who looked to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened, and he saved me from all my troubles. And that is what God, our God, promises for us. Now, we're going to ask the band just to play a, a song for us. I'd ask you to think about this. If you know that you are struggling with shame or struggling with guilt, and it's holding you back, God is saying today, he can show you, he can give you his freedom through Jesus. You know, you could feel guilty perhaps about something recent or something a long time ago that you are still struggling with in terms of the shame. The enemy is so clever at deceiving us and guilt and shame are often his tools. But Jesus wants to set us free. He wants to smash the rock that holds us back. And he alone can deal with any guilt, with any shame. Now you may just feel that you would like to have somebody to pray with you this morning. If so, please ask somebody that you trust. Or if you haven't got anybody sitting next to you, feel comfortable being prayed for. Please come forward to the blue wall over here on my right. As we sing this song, please come forward and then we'll have people there who are ready to help you, ready to pray with you, ready to help you to smash that rock which is holding you back. Don't miss this opportunity. God is saying, this is an opportunity for you to be set free. So prayer team, if you could actually come forward now, please and be ready to receive and welcome people and uh, to pray for them. Don't miss, let's not miss this opportunity to resolve these issues in, in our lives. God has so much in store for us. He wants to set us free from shame so you can be the person he wants you to be. Amen.
want to uh, you know, encourage folk, if you want to be prayed for for anything, maybe you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe after what Pam shared, you, you have something you want God to heal. Maybe you just want to draw closer to God. But I just encourage you, just come down and uh, be prayed for. It doesn't matter what it is. It's all good. It's all bringing it to God. God is a good, good Father. So I just encourage you, just come down. We're longing to pray for you. Thank you. that you're moving in this place today we ask for more of your presence even now and just to say it's still not too late there's plenty of time in which you can go and have prayer receive prayer or even pray for people and parents don't worry your children's workers have been told we're overrunning so don't let that put you off from receiving what God has for you today you Lord continue to do your work we pray continue to be open and let God speak to you today as we're concluding our morning meeting one thing I forgot to say earlier is to relating to last week's Sunday celebration I forgot to thank the many 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 people that made it happen and made it such a success it was in my notes but I just missed it so I do say thank you. There's far too many of you to come and say thank you to personally. So please accept my uh, or our heartfelt thanks. I'm sure we'll be doing another one like it soon. Well, it's great to have had guests with us this morning. 
or even you've only been a couple of times, we'd love to know who's been amongst us this morning. So when you came in, hopefully you received one of our welcome packs that looks a bit like this. And inside you'll have a connect card. That just helps us know who's been amongst us this morning. If we could just ask you to fill it in, no pressure, but if you could fill it in and then put it in the gift and offering box, which is over on the welcome table, that would be really helpful for us. And we'll be in touch with you fairly soon. So now comes, everybody turns off at this point because it's the notices and yet that's still part of our worship. So what's coming up? Are you ready for a lot of information? This week we start our pop-up carols. We had our first one last Thursday and we were in a trelaw and they had an amazing time by all accounts. About 70, 80 people were there, which is absolutely incredible. So find a flyer. There's plenty of them around the building where you will find out where we're going, when we're going. It doesn't have to be for a church group that we're leading. It could be any one of the 15 or so around the town. So what else is coming up? This Wednesday, the 17th, we have our Lighthouse Christmas. Always a really amazing event. If you've never been before, I really encourage you to come along and support them. Amazing group of people led so faithfully by Sue and her team. That's at 7 o'clock here. Then next Sunday morning is the same as we usually have. But in the afternoon or late afternoon at 6 o'clock, we have our carol service. A fantastic opportunity to invite friends and neighbours. We might also have a few Christmas refreshments for you afterwards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic. On the 24th, we won't be gathering together in the morning here, but we're encouraging you to gather with friends, family, neighbours, perhaps people you never associate with, but it's been showing and sharing the gift of hospitality. But in the evening, on Christmas Eve, we have a midnight meeting for those of us that can stay up till 11.30. It will finish around about 12.15 to, to reflect on the coming of our Lord Jesus. And then, of course, Christmas Day, 10.30 here to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And then finally, the 31st is our Testimony Sunday. We've had an amazing story this morning, and I know there are many other stories out there of what God's been doing amongst us in the last season. If you don't wish to share them, write them on a This Is Your Story card, share them with one of the elders, or send us an email. But all this information is in the update. If you don't get the update, please come and have a conversation with me and I'll make sure that you get it. In the meantime, parents, I told them we were running 10 minutes late and we're about nine minutes. So if you could just go and collect your children as quickly as possible. And for the rest of us, refreshments will be served out in the cafe area. In the meantime, have a fantastic week. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around us. Be that hope, that joy, that peace as we mix amongst our community. Thank you one and all.